are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. The wonderful thing, the attractiveness of the gospel. I heard Dr. Rice say one time, he said, the most amazing thing in the world is preaching. He said, the President of the United States could come to town, and this afternoon he could draw a larger crowd than I could draw. But you let him speak three times a week, and in a few weeks he wouldn't have anybody to hear him. Think about that. And yet, a preacher for 17 years can stand up in the same place with this book on a hot summer day and look at the crowd. This is a marvelous book. Same message, and yet always new. I love to tell the story for those who know it best seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. A born-again person could come with a group of people like this. Three times a week, and hear the preacher present the plan of salvation, the same word, three times a week, and grow in grace and be happy about it and enjoy it. Our sociologists tell us that society's chief difficulty is bad environment. Turn almost any television channel, watch a talk show, hear somebody they call doctor, some nut usually, <laughs> that know how to shave or dress. He'll tell you the problem with America is environment. Sociologists tell us that if we clean out the slums, build high-rise apartments, and build these apartments in beautiful parks, and make the environment okay, our problems will be solved. We have cleared out many of our slum areas. We have built these attractive high-rise apartments. We have planted trees flowers, and grass-like carpet around these apartments. And soon, <coughs> the buildings have become shambles. Garbage litters the hallways. Windows are broken and doors are smashed. And so are the arguments of the sociologists. We soon find that slums don't cause sin. Sin causes slums. We soon find that ghettos don't cause sin, sin causes ghettos. We soon find that poverty doesn't cause sin, sin causes poverty. And we soon find that, though we have not in America yet admitted that the gospel is the answer, we are finding oh so surely that the environment improvement does not change the problems we face in America. Did you ever stop and think where the first sin that was ever committed was committed? It was committed in perfect environment, in heaven. Lucifer, <clears throat> perfect environment, no ghettos, no slums, no poverty. No race prejudice, no ERA problems, 
And there in that beautiful setting, with no hunger, no need, and not even any want, sin raised its ugly head. Did you ever stop to think where the first sin on earth was committed? Well, I know in the ghettos of New York City. Oh, I know in Harlem of New York City. Oh, I know in some slum area in Chicago. No, the first sin committed on the face of this earth was committed in perfect environment. In a perfect garden, beauty with marvelous food, perfect weather, no slums, <coughs> no ghettos. Ladies and gentlemen, these people that are advocating that environment can change our land are fools. They don't know whereof they speak. I know a place, a perfect, beautiful environment. I know a place where you can eat anything you want to eat. Walls on the front, they still. I know a place where you can eat anything you want to eat. Any clothes you want to buy, you can buy them. Guards walk the, walk the hallways and protect. I know a place where the environment is the best in the entire United States of America as sociologists count environment, and into that place we call the White House came the crime and the crimes of our century. I know a place where men are educated. I know a place where most of the men are lawyers. I know a place where the men who advocate environment will change us, have the kind of environment that they advocate that we have that will change us. You call it the Congress of the United States. In recent days, we found what the Elizabeth Rays can do, even what they call a good environment. We found what happens to our congressmen and our leaders in what they call a good environment. And while they stand up from White House podiums and say, we need to clean the ghettos out to solve our problems, the biggest problem is not in the ghetto, it's in the White House. And while they stand up and make their speeches and say, if you elect me, you'll have greater wages and you'll have food stamps and 25-hour weeks and, and we'll make this country, uh, we'll clean up the environment, clean up the ghetto. The biggest problem we face in America is not in the ghetto and not in the slum. The biggest satanic hellhole in this nation has been discovered right in the Congress of the United States, advocating and proving once again it's not environment man needs, it's a new heart that man needs. New societies have not helped us, and new frontiers have not helped us, and wars on poverty have not helped us, and every president that's come in our day with a new deal and a new frontier and a war on poverty and a great society has come with some kind of a slogan whereby he's going to clean up this mess and clean up that mess. Here is the mess that needs cleaning up right here. And Congress can't clean up the mess in the heart. And the White House can't clean up, clean up the mess in the heart. The truth is the Congress can't even clean up the mess in the Congress. The White House can't clean up the White House. The honest, simple truth rings forth. We failed in every effort to lift ourselves by our own bootstraps. <clears throat> I know a place of excellent training. Education seems to be the god, the golden calf, at which we, which before which we bow these days. Get an education, get an education, and yet the biggest places of heathen concentration in this world are our state universities. We found more illicit sex and more filth and more garbage and more rot and more sin and more filth 
in the very places before which we worship as hopes for the future of our country. I know a place where they have education. I know a place where they have this kind of training. It's called West Point, and scandal after scandals come out of West Point. The truth we found out our cure is the problem. We found out that what we say is the cure is really our cause. We found we build our little utopias. We find that those utopias become slums and hell holes as far as the heart is concerned. And the honest, simple truth is, just the opposite is true. You take in our little, my, my rearing. We lived in 14 different houses the first 14 years of my life. <clears throat> we, we, we lived in, you ought to see the house on Ramona Avenue where we live. You ought to see uh, the, the places where we live, little shacks, and we lived in what ghettos nowadays are beautiful compared to what we lived in. And yet we didn't uh, have any problems. I'll tell you why. Because the first thing my war, my mama did, we went to a new house. She started a war on rats. And boy, I guarantee you what, every rat in the neighborhood turned on its CV radio and warned every other rat, Costal Matty Hiles is in the area. <coughs> and boy, the rats left our house because mama got rid of the rats. And as soon as she got rid of the war on rats and won that war, then my mama ain't never lost a war with anybody, me or anybody else. She started a war on roaches, cockroaches. I want you to know cockroaches had conventions and tried to figure out what we were going to do because Costal Matty Hiles has moved our neighborhood. It got to where cockroaches in one neighborhood, that's where Costal Matty Hiles lived. We didn't have any money. We didn't have any food. We didn't have decent clothes to wear. My dad didn't have a job. And uh, we didn't have nice furniture. We had early American. George Washington made it. And we had, <coughs> we had, uh, uh we didn't have any nice carpet. We didn't even have wall-to-wall floor. We we didn't have we didn't even have wall-to-wall roof on some of our houses. If we hadn't had buckets to catch the waters that leaked through our roof, and we didn't dodge the stuff, and a snake crawled up one time through our floor in one of our houses, we didn't have what you'd call anything but a ghetto area. But bless God, my mother had a heart that was right, and she had decency, and she had Christ here, and that means she's going to make a little heaven out of our little place of slum. And then after my mother did finish her war on rats and then win the war on cockroaches, then she'd start the big war. I mean, World War One, and that was on bed bugs. My mother hated bed bugs. Back in the neighborhood we live, it was called bed bug lane, and then everybody had bed bugs. And every time we'd move to a house, my mother'd take off on bed bugs. My mother hated bed bugs more than the Lord hates the devil. And go, I guarantee you, she'd start on bed bugs, and boy, she'd she'd turn those. Those that house inside out and get that cover and turn it inside out and she'd spray and stomp and spray and stomp and stomp and spray. I mean, we lived in ghettos, but we had the answer because the heart was right. And uh, before you knew it, brother, before you knew it, uh, the same little ivy we'd had in the last house was placed out and the place was as clean as could be. And before you know it, the same pictures were on the walls. And uh, by the way, did you know the truth is we didn't have all this trouble back down when all of us lived in ghettos. There was a day when, when the kind of living you and I enjoy was only enjoyed by, by a small percentage, three or four percent of the elite. Nobody in our neighborhood had cars much. Nobody in our neighborhood had a radio. My sister and I, we had, dad found one in the garbage can where he worked. <clears throat> one of these things had earphones on it. And every time Joe Lewis would fight, we'd listen to Joe Lewis fight on the radio. And my sister and I would fight more than the fo- Joe Lewis would over who's going to listen to it. And she listened to rounds and I, I listened to commercials. In between rounds. Oh, she was bigger than I was, and I've hated her ever since. 
But uh, she's older. She's still bigger, but she was older than, uh, than I was. Now, you listen to me. I can take you, I can take you in this area to the, to the, to the, to the different, uh, different, uh, financial levels and social standards or stratas in areas in this, this, this area. And I can, I can prove to you that more folks believe the Bible, the poorer the area is. And I can prove to you that more folks are decent, the poorer the area is. And I can prove to you that more folks are saved, the poorer the area is. And I can prove to you that more folks will go to church on Sunday, the poorer the area is. I'm saying, brother, these people are sitting driving Cadillacs and saying the answers clean up the, the folks that drive the Model T Ford. The Cadillac fellow's the guy doing all the meanness most, most always. And I don't care if you drink your liquor from a, from a, a, from a tavern or a, or a booze joint or drink it. Uh, from the ghetto somewhere or the gutter. Now, you, whether you drink it from a nightclub or a country club, it's still liquor and God still hates it. And so <clears throat> we tried to straighten it all up. And uh, the answer is not found in food stamps and slum clearance and urban renewal and guaranteed income and government subsidization, more college graduates, better school equipment, equal rights for women, or laws governing busing. You can't legislate love, ladies and gentlemen. Did you get the heart right, you won't get society right. So you get the inside of man right, you won't get the neighborhood right. So you get the heart right, you won't get the country right. So you get the heart right, you won't get the Congress right. So you get the heart right, you won't get the poor folks right. So you get the heart right, you won't get the rich folks right. So you get the heart right, you won't get the crime right. So you get the heart right, you you won't you won't get the penitentiary problem solved, and you won't get the love problem solved. You cannot legislate love. You can pass a law and make a white man. Live across the street from a colored man, but you can't pass a law to make them love each other. You can pass a law to give everybody a pair of shoes, but you can't pass a law to make them shine those shoes. You can pass a law to give folks the decent clothing, but you can't pass a law to make them clean that clothing. You can pass a law to build high-rise apartments, but you can't pass any law to keep that thing clean. And we are faced today with a generation that is decadent and about destroyed. Because we've gotten a false idea, you start from the outside and work in. No, ten thousand times no, you start from the inside and work out. <clears throat> that's why communism doesn't have the answer. And that's why everywhere communism is, poverty follows. And that's why we have a lot better living standard than communism does. I get a little tired and sick of folks talking about, we're against capitalism, where the rich get richer. You better thank God somebody's rich enough to build a factory. You better thank God that somebody could build a Ford Motor Company or a Chevrolet Company where you could work. The honest, simple truth is uh, individual capitalism is 10,000 times better for living standards than the government controlling everything and the government owning everything and communism running wild with its atheistic, godless uh, heresy that ruins every country it touches. You can give new school buildings. <clears throat> but we had little, little old one-room school buildings. We didn't have to have policemen walking the halls. In Brooklyn, New York, you know the teachers teaching behind desks in Brooklyn, New York today that are, that are behind bulletproof cages in schoolrooms. Why? The answer's not in the war on poverty. The answer's not in Congress. The answer's not with McGovern's New Deal or Roosevelt's New Deal or Johnson's Great Society or Kennedy's New Frontier. The answer is in the heart of men when they get born again and make their hearts right with God Almighty and become new creatures in Christ. Fellows, two men were sitting, standing one day on a street corner. And a man walked by, an old man, had on an old shaggy coat. 
And one of the men looked at him and pointed to him and said, See that man, sir? He said, Yes, I do. He said, Communism can put a new coat on that man. The other fellow who was a Christian said, You look at the man again. Jesus Christ can put a new man in that coat. I've seen it happen over and over and over and over again. Right here in this area, people, uh, people um, criticize us because we're after the poor, me, poor people. We're after the bus kids, the down-outers, the deaf, the maimed, the haunt, the blind, the same crowd our Lord sent us to get. <clears throat> but it's a strange thing. We get these people, they're down and out, and get them off the bottle, get them born again. They get a job. We teach them how to work. Teach them how to keep, uh, take care of what they have. Teach them character, integrity, decency, honor, honesty, purity, diligence. They go out and work hard and get promoted and get promoted again and work hard. And after a while, they have big jobs in the place and they have a lot of money. And then the churches that wouldn't have them when they were poor try to steal them from us now that they've, now that, uh, that we got them straightened up. No, the answer is in the heart. Now, the need. What is the need? The need is the new birth. You can say, you've heard the old illustration again and again. You can take a hog. We did it one time. <clears throat> when I was in college, we'd heard the illustration. We got an old hog out in the slop pen. And, um, and, uh, we, we, we put a, a, a ribbon on his ear, gave him a bath. We sprayed him with Chanel number five. And we'd heard preachers preach about this. We just tried it. <clears throat> I mean, we built him a hog pen. We built a brick hog pen. We even got some old leftover carpet and carpeted the hog pen floor. But he was still a hog. We went home, went to bed, came the next morning. You ought to have seen the condition of that beautiful wall-to-wall carpeted mansion we built for that hall. Why? His nature was the same. You can put man in a beautiful environment, but he still has a wicked nature. His heart's still deceitful. His heart's still sinful. There's something on the inside of him that needs to be changed. Now, if it were possible to get inside that hog and then put a lamb's nature on the inside of that hog, you'd turn that hog loose and he wouldn't want to fall in the hog pen. He wouldn't want to get in the quagmire. And what this old nation needs, ladies and gentlemen, more than she needs new and new, new, uh, uh, new, a new deal or, or a great society, more than this old nation needs urban renewal and food stamps. The truth is we've welfared ourselves to the poorhouse already. More than she needs that. <clears throat> America needs a generation of preachers that'll, that'll, that'll preach you must be born again and that'll work on the heart and get men's hearts changed and make men new creatures in Christ. We got a bunch of these little Little pussyfoot and ear tickling, back scratching, penny pinching, soft soaping, pink tea and lemonade compromisers running around this country trying to pray for the Lions Club and the Tigers and the Elks and the Elephants and all the rest of them and trying to improve society and working on urban renewal and race problems and, and, uh, trying to be sure that all the women get their equal rights. I only have one word to say about the ERA. I do not know how you spell it, but I can pronounce it. That's the way you pronounce it. I do not know how to spell it. But what I'm trying to say is, you can get your equal rights for colored, and equal rights for brown, and equal rights for Indian, and equal rights for chartreuse, equal rights for maroon, equal rights for ladies, equal rights for homosexuals, God pity their heathen hearts, and uh, equal rights for all the rest of them. And America will still go to hell. Why? America needs a new heart, that's why. How will America get a new heart? When, it's, when her people get a new heart. That ha- that's how it will happen. Now the question comes, how do you get a new heart? You become a new creature. How do you become a new creature? You get born again. And if you get born again, God gives you a new heart. 
When God gives you a new heart, you become a new creature. And the bunch of new creatures will build a new society. Could I just say this? What America needs is right here in this building in the kind of society we have at First Baptist Church of Hammond. That's what America needs. Exactly what she needs. And that's what she's looking for, but she doesn't want to admit that a bunch of ignorant fundamentalists have the answer. I heard Mr. Carter the day on television. Bless his heart. And I, th- I think he may be a born-again man. I think he ought to quit his cocktail, but I think he may be a born-again man. And, uh, but I heard him say, we, we, we're going to try to find the answer. We are not sure what it is. I, would, I jumped up in front of the television set in the hotel room and said, I am, Jimmy. Why don't you call me up? I know the answer. The answer is get born again. The answer for the grace of God to be preached and old time religion to be preached. And old Dr. Bob Jones used to say, we a generation of preachers to preach for three months on nothing but hellfire. And uh, teach folks to get born again. Your problem this morning is not that your, your, your race is not being treated properly. Your problem is you've got a black heart. Uh, these ERAers, that stands for earn run average as far as I'm concerned. That's all that I'm interested in. <clears throat> these ERAers run around here. You know, they'd love their lot in life if they'd get born again and get new hearts, become new creatures, and get the Word of God mean more to them than their, their stupid rights mean. And I'm trying to say, Everybody wants the result, but nobody wants the recipe. Everybody wants the pie, but nobody wants the ingredients. Everybody wants the America we used to have without the gospel that made it what it used to be. Now, how is it obtained? And that's what you need, by the way. How is it obtained? One time a fellow came to Jesus and asked him at midnight, very important man, very educated man, and I think perhaps a very moral man. He came to Jesus and said, Jesus, he said uh, about this eternal life business, and uh, uh, we know that our ruler come from God. And they talked a while. And Jesus said, Marvel not that I say unto you, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus couldn't understand that. That is an unusual thing. The, 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 I read, read an editorial the other day in New York City Times paper, New York Times paper, I was up there, and I said, the fellow said, we don't know what Carter means when he talks about being born again. That's what Nicodemus said. Well, he said, born again? Have I got to go back, shrivel up, shrivel up, shrivel up, shrivel up, and go back in my mother's womb, and then come out of the womb again, and grow up, and grow up, and grow up, and get born again? That's what the poor fool said. And Jesus said, let me tell you a story, Nicodemus. He said, you're a student of the Bible. You remember, don't you, the story in the Old Testament of our, our forefathers? How that uh, they complained against God and God sent fiery serpents everywhere? How that all of, our, all of our people were bitten by these fiery serpents that were dying like flies, dying everywhere? Nicodemus, you remember that? Yes, I remember that, uh, Master, I remember that. He said, Nicodemus, do you recall what uh, God told Moses to do? God told Moses to take a piece of brass and beat that piece of brass into a, into a serpent made of brass and then take a pole and nail, nail that, that serpent of brass on that pole and raise that pole high so people could see the serpent of brass on that pole. And God said to Moses, Moses, you tell the people that when that brass brazen serpent is raised up high like that, you tell the people all they've got to do if they've been bitten by the snake and are dying, you tell them all they've got to do is look to that brazen serpent. And Nicodemus said, I'm sure something was sure. I remember that. I had some ancestors who 
who uh, were dying in that plague. And I recall that uh, hearing folks talk about they were bitten, and, and they looked up, and when they saw that, that serpent of brass raised high, they lived. And <clears throat> Nicodemus, Jesus said, Nicodemus, I am represented by that serpent of brass. I'm going to go in a few years to, to, to Jerusalem. And outside the city, I'm going to be crucified. And I'm going to take upon myself the sins of all the people of all the world who've ever lived. And Nicodemus, anybody who's a sinner, and that's everybody, who realizes he's a sinner and will look to, the, to, to me on the cross, that person can be saved. Nicodemus, you understand that. Just as Moses raised the serpent in the wilderness, those bitten by the, by the, by the light living fiery serpents who had looked at that brazen serpent could live. He said, I'm going to be raised between heaven and earth, and I'm going to die for the sins of the people. And he said, Nicodemus, if you'll just look at me and trust me on the cross, I'll save you. But Nicodemus could have said, what? I'm a Bible teacher. Bible teachers have to get born again by looking to Calvary. But what? I'm a moral man. The first place, there's no such thing as a moral man. But if compared to other men, he was moral. Moral people have to look to Christ on the cross to go to heaven too. But Nicodemus could have said, I, I am a leader of Israel. People look to me. I belong to the Sanhedrin maybe. But big people have to get born again too by looking to the cross. And you say what you want to say, folks. Criticize all you want to criticize. <coughs> call us nuts all you want to call us. Put us in the, call us bigger. One of our, one of our men, the church, his wife left him. Now he got the children. And now the wife is suing to get the children from him. She was, she didn't want them back down. Now she's trying to get them back. And you know, one of her arguments that the lawyer put on there is that her husband is now, ex-husband, is now a religious zealot. That's a crime in America these days. They're afraid of a president who's been born again. They're afraid that anybody, that if anybody to be in office who talks about being saved, why weren't they afraid of Woodrow Wilson? Who, when he died, looked up and said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, and dropped off into the hands of Christ. The need is the gospel. Your need is the gospel. I have right here in my hands, right here in my hands. Listen, <clears throat> if Congress, if Congress would get Lee Robertson, Jerry Falwell, <coughs> John Rice, and of course I won't be in order too, or I won't let them do it. If they'd get Lee Robertson, Jerry Falwell, John Rice, Tom Malone, Jack Hiles, and a few other preachers, if Congress would do what we'd say from this book, there is not a problem in America couldn't be solved. Not a one. Not, I, I, you say, you mean finances? I mean finances. Ballots budget. Gold standard. Dissolving the national debt. Health problems. Slum problems. There is not a problem in this country that could not be solved within the pages of this book. 
And by the way, if that's right, there's not a problem in your life that couldn't be solved the same way. The whole world was lost in the darkness of sin. The light of the world is Jesus. Like sunrise at noonday, his glory shone in. The light of the world is Jesus. Come to the light. It is shining for thee. Sweet is the light has dawned upon me. Once I was blind, but now I can see. The light of the world is Jesus. The need of the age is for people like you to become new creatures and have new hearts by being born again. You don't do that by joining a church. You don't do that by taking this kid. Nobody is in near heaven now because you drank of this, this uh, juice a while ago. Nobody's in near heaven now because you took that little wafer a while ago. Nobody's in near heaven when he gets out of that baptistry than he was when he goes, goes in. And if he's not saved when he goes in, he won't be saved when he comes out unless he got born again while he was in there. The answer is looking to Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNVBC.com for Christian music you can trust.